0: Thoughts, heights, fights, lights, like a lightning strike Left from the doubt will turn mice biting on your mic Then the cracks gives you a fright, your plight's sealed all night Light the candle The pit of power in more than you can handle No video game enemies to strangle You see, if you unplug this society There would be many people staring at an empty screen Saying, what does it all mean? Get out and ask people living in the scene But now if you don't know you, Google it Living on Facebook, what's love got to do with it? Dreaming you know of being the next YouTube phenomena, What is wrong with you? A better a kind a of thermometer. You got a fever, there's the bit that is stopping you Except for the spyware shutting down your monitor
1: First of all, I would like to reach you all a happy 2021. I am excited to share the second part of the fitness optimization episode of the Movement Revolution podcast. You might notice that we have a very cute special guest during the interview. So we thought of something fun for this episode. I would like you to take note when you first hear our very cute special guest, and then I will reveal towards the end of the episode what you could get as a prize if you are able to correctly notice our cute special guest now let's start rolling 2021 with sean Sue talking about the five different categories he considers when taking on a strength and conditioning client <music> I'm glad you mentioned um, about the plyometrics because of course you have a background in uh, strength and conditioning. Would it be all right if, if I ask, what do you focus on when you're taking on strength and conditioning clients?
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh man, that's, that's, that's a pretty loaded question. But, um, <laughs> but I think uh, the, the general rule of individualization, you know, holds true right with everyone. So everyone has different goals. Um, so when, whenever I take on a SNC client, Uh, the first thing I ask them is, you know, what's your goal? Uh, Because, and and I'm starting to to see that uh, hold true in rehab sessions as well, uh, where I don't want to see a person for a week, once a week uh, for like a month and then just kind of discharge them because I think that's irresponsible. And Mm -hmm. on my end, uh, particularly because, uh, unless of course their goal is just to take away pain and I'm not looking to increase my capacity at all. Then cool, you know, that's, uh, I respect that. But for the most part, I think as rehab and, and, and fitness professionals, our goal should be to, to build their capacity and, 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 mm-hmm. and, and I guess help facilitate whatever goal that they have. Because totally. if we start to get into a little bit more rapport building, we can always squeeze out some sort of goal, <laughs> uh, like mm-hmm. a fitness goal with a person. Um, Because everyone is looking to get better at what they do, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think uh, when we talk about uh, athletics or sports, it's very, very relative. Um, Sport may be, I mean, uh, a basketball player uh, plays a sport of basketball. uh, That's analogous to a mother um, playing a sport of motherhood, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, So in order to to start my, my journey with a particular client in S and C, I need to, I need to understand what their goal is. I need to understand what their, their, their basic physiological needs are. Right? Mm-hmm. So for a mother, their physiological needs are, you know, a lot Carry of a baby. Stability, yeah. carrying a baby, yeah. a rotator cuff stability and all that stuff. So those are physiological needs of that particular person. The next step is to understand where their physiological condition is like. Right. So uh this comes with a little bit more creativity because you have to start to impart different assessment strategies, right? And mm-hmm. and the best best assessment out there are assessment that can closely mimic the type of movement that they do on a regular basis. Right. So it's it's a time to be a little bit more creative with the type of assessment that you want to do. Functional assessment that is, right? Mm-hmm. So um so Once that is done, then the next step is to build some sort of program and build some sort of short term goals with that particular client and let them understand that in order to be great at being a mother, in terms of physiological needs, that is, um, then this is the end goal that I need to see you uh, be able to do, right? So if that means you need to be able to do a shoulder press um, with a a particular type of weight, then so be it. That's going to be our goal, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. But in the end of the day, it's it's always about understanding what the physiological needs are, uh, then to assess for physiological condition of that particular client, and then to impart some sort of short-term and long-term goal to start to facilitate that need. And I always impart a, a mix of different you know, exercises, um, those different exercises can probably be broken down into different categories. Mm-hmm. So they involve, uh, obviously, like, you know, the passive range of motion, right? So yeah. or, or I usually call it just flexibility. So these are more the um, the arthrokinematics of a joint, right? Mm-hmm. Does it have the necessary uh, accessory motion, such as the glide, the rolls um, within the joint? Um, so if they don't, then I have to get that done. So that's more in a rehab setting, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's one. The second category would be more isometrics, right? Yeah. So isometrics are huge in terms of pain relief mm-hmm. uh, and also building muscular tendinous unit, right? So yeah. and just recruitment of motor units, right, in general. So it builds strength in that particular angle really, really well. So this is also where I would probably impart some sort of PNF, right? Because yeah. PNF, some sort of isometric control. Ah, uh, within that particular range, right, and then I start to impart a third category, which is isotonics, uh, where you can start to break down isotonics into concentrics and eccentrics. Now, when I start to talk about the the you know the passive integrity, the isometrics, and the isotonic, these to me are all structural integrity. So i I have to build some sort of structural integrity with this person first, and mm-hmm. then towards the end. I'm starting to look at some sort of uh, rate of force development because rate of force development yeah. dictates the amount of power that you can act uh, you can employ, uh, sorry, import in a particular uh, joint or a muscle. And a lot of times when I start talking about power, people for some reason start to think about power lifters, right? <laughs> like a snatch or like a, yeah. a crazy hand clean or whatever. And it's important for me to start to talk to them about how, you know, just because you most of the time we associate power with athletics it doesn't mean that it's not important in a regular person because when you're trying to lift a baby up for example that's mm-hmm. power that's yeah. that's instantaneous power for you to mm-hmm. lift them from a, a static position to uh, you know a, a different you know uh, um, i guess a different position right so yeah. it's a power that's employed in the muscle so it's important to be relative with your terminology and with their understanding. So I always talk to them about how it's important for me to build that rate of force development in you. And when you, st- we can start to kind of break down rate of force development in many different ways, mm-hmm. but that's, that's a fourth category that employ. And the last would be just some sort of compound exercise, right? So because compound exercise to me is more functional. It is the, the end goal that you should actually achieve. Uh, you need to be able to functionally, utilize all these structural integrity and then put it into a kinetic linkage, right? And that's that's when you know you have to start to look at you know the 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 kinetic linkage of the body, you know, the fascial connections and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me those in the end is is what can best translate to a functional setting. So those are the five different categories that I usually employ within an SNC client. And frankly, right now within a rehab client as well, because I think it's important to build that capacity slowly and, and slowly adapt their, their body into that position.
1: Wow. Thanks for explaining that all of those five components. I'm sure a lot of people will, will be able to understand how you, how you deal with your clients and then they will appreciate how thoughtful you explained it to us over here in the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Sean.
2: Yeah, no problem, man.
1: Yeah, like I said earlier, I also asked some of the previous participants in fitness optimization, and one mm. of them wanted to ask, What is your most efficient diagnostic test to determine whether a client or an athlete can do specific exercises or is compensating during their training? Oh, so
2: <laughs> I guess that, that comes down to mm-hmm. two different categories, I guess. So the first category would be the validity of the actual assessment, right? So, Mm -hmm. uh, well, I guess validity and the reliability of a a particular assessment measure uh, or a tool. Um, So when I start to look at my, my, I guess, my own practice and, uh, you know, through the years, I slowly start to, to realize the importance of maintaining some sort of validity, and I, I mean, orthopedic testing is great. Uh, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong; I think those are those those are those are amazing. But orthopedic tests test for structural integrity, right? So mm-hmm. when you think of uh, you know the the, uh, the modified Thomas test or the nearest test, oh, you know, what, all, any kinds of orthopedic testing, they all test for a particular structure. Yeah. Um, which is important when you start to look at structural integrity, which comes into play when you start to build a particular goal, such as passive integrity, uh, the isometrics and the isotonics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because those are basically what is needed. Um, if uh, there's a positive modified Thomas test, that means that you know the soas is is particularly you know at fault because it's too tight, right? So you impart some sort of passive integrity um, maneuver, such as stretching or PNFs and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, uh, and, and you slowly build that capacity up of that psoas muscle so that it's strong so that it doesn't need to be tense all the time. Um, but when, when you want to look at functional integrity, I think that's where things get a little tricky and that's why, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things such as the FMS or the SFMA has, has gotten so much attention because, they're really the only ones out there that is very evidence-based and well, I, I should say SFMA is very evidence evidence-based mm-hmm. and impose some sort of functionality, like a global movement strategy. Right. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's more to that. Like it, those are general movements, right? So mm-hmm. when I assess a guy who is a basketball player, the SFMA may not be relevant at all to these people because it doesn't test out any sort of, um, in sport activity, right? So yeah. SFMA doesn't test for your your, your, your integrity and in your fascia. It doesn't test for integrity in your, your tendons. So when I look at the necessity of assessing a basketball player, I first look at the measurement tool that I need. So right now in practice, I mean, I'm not a researcher, so I'm sure like the validity is not as great as a researcher in a lab setting. But when you look at practical uh, setting and something that's a little bit more efficient in a practical uh, clinical practice, um, I believe the force plate and video Mm -hmm. analysis is is as good as it gets, right? Mm -hmm. So because it's it's efficient, it's fast, um, and all you need is a phone. Well, added that you need a force plate as well, but once you have a force plate, it's easy because you have a video analysis and you have a force production uh, that you can, you can see, right. That you can have these metrics that you can start to see. So once I started using force analysis and video analysis, I realized that my validity and well, I should say my reliability of measures start to increase a a lot. So I can start to see the changes um, with, uh, you know, within a particular assessment uh, session. And I can see the changes that, is made after, you know, employing some sort of rehab setting or some sort of fitness session. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's number one is the, is how reliable is my assessment measures? Um, number two is the hardest part, which is what kind of assessment should I do?
0: Mm-hmm. And I
2: think that that comes with creativity and understanding the physiological needs of a client. Right. So, uh, and the, I should say, we we can never underestimate the power of history intake Yeah, because if you ask the right question, that usually dictates the type of assessment that you want to do. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's a very nuanced topic, I think. Um, But that being said, to answer your question in terms of what type of assessment that I do, I think it it varies. Um, It varies to the the questions that I, uh, sorry, the answers that I get from the questions I ask. And it varies according to the person's past injury history um, and their sport. Right. But as a grand scheme of things, uh, as a generalized concept, when I start to look at sports that has to do with dynamic movements, I usually always pick uh, specific types of assessment. Mm-hmm. So uh, and these assessments can also be broken down into active components and passive components. right? So uh, the active component would be such as uh, a depth jump. right? So yeah. I, would, I would get someone to do a depth jump. I would get someone to do, uh, for example, a one-off skater. I would get someone to do a, a rotational ability. I would get someone to do uh, trap bar, trap bar jump, or mid-thigh pull uh, to test their 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 force uh, production. Um, and all these are important for me to understand their RSI, which is the reactive strength index, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and dynamic strength index as well, right? So that way, I know, okay, do they do they have more? Are their body more? inclined towards some sort of uh, elastic recoil ability, or they're more inclined to employ some sort of strength strategy because those are two different things. Right. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I would start to test out some sort of passive integrity, such as uh, like a functional passive integrity, such as fascial, uh, fascial uh, integrity. Right. So if someone's fascia is extremely tight, then it makes sense that they won't be able to utilize that particular fascia or the opposite, uh, fascial mm-hmm. slings. Right. So, yeah, so yeah, so I would get. I guess in a generalized theme for dynamic movements, I would employ a specific kind, specific type of functional assessment, uh, along with specific type of functional passive assessment.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so interesting that you mentioned the force plate. Although I would love to be trying a force plate, it's quite expensive. What I it do have expensive. though is the push band, that can oh, yeah, also yeah. get a little velocity like objective assessment with the velocity. So yeah, that's that's how I guess I, I would be able to use some of the objective measures with uh, using sure. technology. Yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, like, I, I honestly believe that to be a great practitioner, it's not about like having all the same stuff that another great practitioner has, right? And I'm not saying that I'm a great practitioner. I'm just saying like, if you look at very... I guess, successful institutions like P3 or Altis, right? All these yeah. institutions have force plate, right? Mm-hmm. And a push band. But like, just because you don't have one of those, it doesn't mean that you can't have some sort of objective measure. I think the most important thing is to, to think of what you have in your own uh, practical uh, setting and mm-hmm. within your financial capability, how you can employ some sort of objective measure. I mean, like utilizing the Oxford, Oxford Manual Testing Scale is a, good, is a very good objective measure that doesn't require any sort of technology, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and on the contrary, just because you have uh, a technology like myself, I have a force plate, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm that much better than anyone else. right? <laughs> so it, it just means that I, this is how I do my objective measures. Uh, and if, if a practitioner has a force plate, but doesn't understand the necessity of using it as a reliable tool mm-hmm. uh, and doing it every single time you see a client, then that defeats the purpose. Then you don't need a force plate for that. Yeah. Right. So, so I think it's important to, for people to understand that as well. Uh, and it, like a push band is so much easier than a force plate and it it measures so much, uh, it gives you so much metrics as yeah, well. Just, right? At least so,
1: the velocity. So of, yeah, of velocity, doing a repetition, the RSI. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: So I think the push band is, is something that's very, a lot more affordable and it, it gives you so much, so much objective measures.
1: But I'm so happy you mentioned that, you know, sometimes you don't even need these types of technological equipment just to be objective because you know uh my my audience i like to think of my audience as a philippine practitioner audience people who just practice yep. in southeast asia so the they, they're not always um they don't always have these types of technology like a force plate or a push band. but it's it exactly. helps to do other objective measures that can help their assessments with their clients
2: or patients. for sure yeah yeah it, it's all about just being diligent with doing it. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's a key. Like as long as you pick an objective measure, you have to keep using that as your baseline. Right? So, yeah. so you can't, you can't just like, Oh, do it one, one session. And then for the next like 20 <laughs> sessions, you don't do anything. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So I think it's, it's just important for people to understand that you just got to keep doing it. You, you use that as a baseline measure, then you use that as your measurement of improvement. Right. Yeah.
1: Totally, because uh, you mentioned baseline, and we definitely have to give a baseline to our clients so that they know what's up, how, what they're gonna try to be to improve for the next session. So that I, I'm glad you mentioned that, John.
2: Definitely, yeah. So yeah, and and just like you mentioned, I think it's it not only uh, gives us practitioner as a, a good, I guess, to be honest with ourselves, really, really at mm-hmm. one like that's number one priority, but it also provides the client with an understanding of what their body is like. And most importantly, once there's an improvement, they can see it as well. So because a lot of times I think you can agree with me on this, Ali, Mm -hmm. is that a lot of times our clients, they don't, they're oblivious to the improvements that happen in their body. They don't know. So like (laughs) doing an objective measure allows them to see it. And it just kind of adds to that credibility of what you do as well. Right. So, so I think it's, it's, it, it acts as a multifactorial, I guess, um, uh, efficiency in a practice.
1: Yeah. I love, I love that you mentioned that. And it's the conversation is getting very amazing that we want to continue it for longer, but then I know you have other stuff to do. However, uh, I wish that you could, cause I know you're going to be soon going into online, um, courses. You're going to bring your courses online. Is that hmm. correct, Sean?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely still still my my goal. Um, yeah. I mean, having a facility to be able to videotape my <laughs> my content is the tricky part right now. Yeah, I know, I know what you I mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, once once that's available, that's definitely my my goal is to push everything online.
1: So, uh, if ever like um, you do bring your sling assessment online, would you mm. be able to like explain or give a brief yeah give a brief explanation on um, one of the slings and how you would actually approach it and even apply your practice into it. Okay, yeah. Before we sure. end up- uh,
2: the, the podcast. Eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's, so I think it's important for us to first understand the, I guess, the, the research out there mm-hmm. on, on fascia. Because as most of us know, fascia is, 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 is a relatively new thing. In the in the I guess the rehab world and the fitness world, both mm-hmm. I think mean, it's only been the last decade that there's been some attention to fascia, um, because previous to that, cadavers have always been oh let's cut away this, yeah. this right thing, and <laughs> let's look at the muscles. Um, that brings
1: me back to college. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. So,
2: so you know, it, so it's a relatively new thing. So and, and with all relatively new concepts. there comes with the necessity to do more studies, right? Mm -hmm. And again, like, I'm not huge on being super uh, research based, because as we all know, research is just trying to amalgamate uh, an average, right? Um, So just because something is not significant, after a research study, doesn't mean that that particular modality or that particular thing that they're trying to study is not important. It just means that Across a broad range of people population, it doesn't seem to be significant, right? So, um, but we have to understand that when we're in practice in a practical setting, n equals one, so sample size is one. Yeah. So true, true. You may very likely see someone who are considered as outliers when compared to a research study, right? So, mm-hmm. so you, we have to be very careful at looking at. Um, research study and as long as you have the understanding of okay these research study is 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 talking about a broad a general uh, population and it's taking the average of the outliers out there as well right so but like when we work on individual it's an individual it's n equals one so it's just that's something to always Mm -hmm. remember but if we look at research um with fascia uh the the most reliable, I guess, studies out there after a systematic, a system, a systematic review is that the presence of the, the posterior oblique sling, the anterior oblique sling, and something called the dorsal sling or the superficial backline, um, those show the most promising, I guess, um, evidence out okay. there. So, uh, I guess. Obviously, I'm not going to talk about every single sling out there, yeah, yeah. but um, no, need to, but yeah. let's just talk about something simple, which is the, the posterior oblique sling, right? Right. So, yeah, sure, I sure. mean, there's so many names out there. There's, it can be called the posterior oblique. It can be called the posterior sling, or it can be called the functional back line, according to Thomas Myers, right, in Anatomy Trains. Mm-hmm. So uh, the posterior fascia as a whole, I think it's really important to know. When we talk about proprioception, there, mm-hmm. there seems to be more evidence on the the role of fascia with proprioception than something compared to like a joint capsule, for example, uh, which is which is interesting to me because
1: yeah,
2: yeah, because and it makes sense because when you look at studies, um, the fascial tissue or the fascial layers employ the most sensory receptors in our entire body. And I don't remember the exact number, but I believe it's, it's some magnitude of 80% of the mechanoreceptors that is studied out there in the body. It's, it's, it lies within the fascial layers. And it makes sense because if you think about muscle units, uh, muscles really, if you, if you want to talk about um, receptors, mechanoreceptors, muscle mechanoreceptors, you can really only think of two if 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 i want to be very very strict i can think of three those are the intrafusal fibers right mm-hmm. so intrafusal fibers are considered as a mechanoreceptor uh and then within the interfusal fiber obviously you have the nuclear bag and the nuclear chain mm-hmm. and then the third one is the gto but people argue that gto or the golgi tendon organs yeah. are are really within the fascia still because gto is really within the musculotendinous unit mm-hmm. and if i think about tendons that is the best pure fascia that you can think of because tendons are considered as a dense connective tissue, which mm-hmm. is the, uh, basically what a fascia is. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, when we look at the post, uh, when we look at fascia as, and it's necessity in our global body movements, I think it's very, very important because there's, there's a reason why most of the mechanoreceptors re- lies within the fascia. So, The reason why I came up with a sling assessment is with that understanding of of most of the proprioception comes from the fascia. And if you don't have good integrity in your fascia, then your movement capacity is not going to be, uh, be facilitated. So when we talk about posterior oblique sling, it really encompasses the muscles, the hamstrings, the gluteus maximus the thoracolumbar fascia and the contralateral latissimus dorsi. Mm -hmm. So, but just because of saying that these muscles lie within the fascia, doesn't mean that these are the fascial systems, right? So Mm -hmm. it just means that these muscles, uh, they are enveloped by this posterior oblique sling Mm -hmm. fascia that facilitates that proprioception within these muscles. So I think that's, that's an important concept to know because a lot of times people equate fascia to muscles which is really the entire yeah. point of of, of of separating the two, right? So Yeah, definitely
1: but, you have to separate them.
2: Exactly. So so to assess for fascia, a posterior sling fascia, or the posterior sling uh, subsystem, for example, you, you have to look at rotational components,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Uh, because when we look at unilateral posterior oblique sling, um, that's when rotational components really will be be triggered. Because if you think of, the hamstrings, the glute max, the thoracolumbar fascia on the contralateral latissimus dorsi—it's it's an oblique fashion, right? So mm-hmm. if you do something like a like a throw, like a like a baseball pitch, mm-hmm. for example, that best maximizes your ability to stimulate this fascial sling. And I think the other important to, the thing to know about fascia is that to best stimulate fascia, you need to employ some sort of uh, some sort of stretch response. Mm-hmm. And when I say stretch response, I mean dynamic stretch response because because if, if, if fascia is responsible for proprioception, fascia is also responsible for uh, energy storage as well. And I think there's a really good paper that people can start to read uh, by Robert Slope uh, done, by, uh, done by Robert Slope back in 2012, where you look at training mechanisms that facilitates, that, that incorporates fascial system. Uh, he talked about something really interesting, which is um, our kinetic storage is really within our fascial system. Because every time we th- think of kinetic storage, we think of tendons, right?
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: tendons are part of fascia mm-hmm. and fascia stores kinetic energy. So that's why if you look at a baseball pitcher, he needs to have mobility and he needs to have flexibility and that that elastic recoil ability within their fascial system. If they don't have that recoil ability within their fascia, they can't throw a pitch that well. Mm -hmm. So things such as like a counter movement jump, uh, things such as a pitch, these are all testament to the importance of having, having an elastic fascial system. There's a reason why when you do a counter movement jump, it's a lot more easier than doing a standard uh, squat jump right because when you utilize your arms when you utilize that sling you start to stretch out the posterior system or the posterior oblique system and then you start to get into that elastic recoil ability to facilitate that vertical jump right so whereas if you just do a simple squat jump where you're holding a particular person a particular position for let's say two seconds and then you go up for a jump you lose that elastic recoil ability, and that, to me, that is contributed to the posterior oblique sling and the functional back. Uh, sorry, the superficial backline as well, mm-hmm. right? So, so posterior oblique sling is, like I said, it envelops those muscles. So, when you look at um, individual muscles from there on, uh, individual muscle passive integrity, such as its range of motion within the gluteus maximus, for example. It then becomes important because that's part of the sling right so if your gluteus maximus is tight let's say or there's a lot of tension within the glute max and it doesn't have that ability to stretch out where it needs to be then for sure as a when you look at the posterior sling as a whole then you lose that elastic recoil ability so mm-hmm. when you look at fascial assessment you can start to you then have to look at ways of assessing the fascial, um, I I guess, fascial recoil ability. And you can break it down into particular muscle fascia and look at particular muscles to see if they have that requirement. Again, everything is a prerequisite, right? So glute max, hamstrings, thoracolumbar fascia and lats, they all need to have that elastic recoil ability in order to facilitate that entire posterior oblique sling fascial recoilability. So uh, it, it's 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 quite complicated and that's that's why I came up with a course really to to mm-hmm. to try to teach people, you know, what a fascia is and what the responsibility of the fascia is and how to kind of break it down and assess for a fascial elastic recoilability.
1: Actually that's amazing that you explained it to us because over here one of the known fascial studies are courses is the stecofascial manipulation course oh yeah 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 that's definitely more hands-on and what you explained with the sling assessment is that or one of the sling assessment that you just mentioned is that this is more um how you can connect it to sport so i really like how you explained it and for me i'm definitely interested so hopefully some of the listeners will also be more interested and will kind of push you to to put that course online <laughs>
2: <laughs> well yeah i i uh, listen like i love traveling so like if uh, like traveling is still gonna be my go-to thing although like there's mm-hmm. gonna be still online online course uh, like online option available but i, I don't want to take away the practical um experience of a, yeah. a, of a particular workshop because mm-hmm. i think that's very valuable right so um so yeah so i mean like in the future once this entire COVID thing is is yeah. is dampened. I, I'm hoping to be able to resume that again so and I, I'm a guy who's uh, one of the things about our profession is that we we value the person-to-person interaction right Ollie? yeah so, for sure like there's no different from me uh, when it comes to courses I, I enjoy that that ability to talk to students and, and just be face-to-face with them yeah, and to
1: engage with them right that's it that's yeah. it yeah it's totally yeah so it would seem like you would probably be bringing this to Taiwan first again, right? When, when things kind of like calm down.
2: Yeah, well, mm-hmm. because I'm at the opposite end of the world. So <laughs> if I do travel to Taiwan, I'm going to make the best out of it and just travel <laughs> to all other places in that part of the world, right? So Philippines is definitely yeah. going to be part of part of the itinerary.
1: But hopefully if we get some Southeast Asian listeners, maybe they'd be interested if you bring it to Taiwan and then maybe they'll travel to Taiwan to, to take this course with you, right?
2: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's that'll, that'll be that's the idea. I mean, um, I'm all about just sharing knowledge. So, uh, so if participants are interested, I'm always I'm always, you know, I'm always game, you know.
1: Thank you for listening to the Movement Revolution podcast, very first release in 2021. If you recall at the start of the episode We wanted to give a prize worth 1,000 Philippine Pesos for the very first listener who will be able to send the correct timestamp of when our very cute special guest first made his appearance. I would just like to enumerate the mechanics in order to qualify for the contest. Number one, you have to send your answer and the correct timestamp to ollie at opadvancement.com. Number two, Follow olivercgp.advancement on IG. And number three, share your favorite post from olivercgp.advancement FB page on your FB profile or page and tag three friends. This will not be the last time you hear from Sean and I. We might have a special announcement soon, so I hope you follow us so we can keep you posted. By the way, you can check Sean's IG, which is MoveFit_UnderScore_Sean. underscore Sean and also his website, www.movementfacilitation.com. Many thanks to our graphic artist, Veronica, and we truly appreciate the contribution of Haina's Rhymes to this show. Please check out his social media on IG at Haina's Rhymes, and of course, his songs on SoundCloud and Bandcamp.
0: These are just thoughts going through my head. A moment of reflection that you soon forget. Imagine a world without the internet where you can't download your intellect. These are just thoughts going through my head. A moment of reflection that you soon forget. Imagine a world without the internet where you can't download your intellect. Hashtag trending, Snapchat, Insta, Periscope, eSports, Buzzfeed, Tinder So many ways to meet people online, no one ever has one talk at a time Messenger, WhatsApp, groups picking everywhere, better make it happen now Wait a minute, no one cares, people press like, they think it means something Everybody's real, light should mean something, now if you don't know Wikipedia, who remembers encyclopedias? If you need a holiday, Expedia, Sky Scanner, Airbnb, much speedier The shopping online make us greedier, But as it to the needy, now easier? I can't even hold it together, www, we write whatever New tech updates, freaking phone up updates, can't really Why wait? Search for new mates Nothing is private, it's all in the cloud Is this disavailance even allowed? You used to shout from the hill to be proud A good signal will sort you out now Virtual reality is high definition The secret of the things in your life You're missing Blog your way Into the big time Achievements only exist If they're online Apparently people used to use Landlines Agree to a mutual place and time But what happened If they changed their mind How about sat How did they find it Midnight snack attack Cover copy cabbage patch Technophobic There's probably an app for that These are just thoughts Going through my head A moment of reflection That you soon forget Imagine a world without the internet Where you can't download Your intellect These are just thoughts Going through my head A moment of reflection That you soon forget Imagine a world without the internet Where you can't download your intellect